You might remember that if you were here. If you, if you do not remember, you can always go back to rlcholland.com and go back to the messages that we've, um, we've talked about before. But the reason why I'm bringing two weeks ago up is because that message really kicked off something, and I wasn't even aware of it. By the way, we are not in a series. I'm just saying that right now. We're not in the, in the middle of a series. It's just something I believe God's been doing. And he's been threading these messages these last couple of weeks. And so it started off with his voice. Okay, how, how do we discern his voice? Okay, and then last week we talked about living on purpose. Last week, you guys remember on purpose? And we were shouting out we have to live and pursue him on purpose. Well, when we go to uh, two weeks ago, we were talking about how to discern his voice. Now, there are three different voices that we were talking about. There's obviously God's voice and that we, we confirm through Scripture that he speaks to us today still, that he is not done talking to you. And not, it might not be in a way that, that we, are, we are thinking, but he's, he has creative ways. He has his word, his spirit through people, through teachings, through preaching. God speaks today and will continue to speak. And we're trying to say, okay, how do we know if this is God or if this is the enemy? trying to disguise himself as God. And then we talked about how, how, okay, there's not only those two voices, but there's my voice as well. Is this me or is this you, God? And so we, we were teaching about, okay, how, how do we go into that? And I believe our main scripture that we came out of, Jesus said this in John 10, 27, that my sheep hear my voice and I know them is what Jesus says. And then he says that they follow me. And so the one way we realize to discern, is this God, is by this. His voice is love. His voice is power. His voice is healing. His voice is wisdom. And his voice is joy. Now, if you hear pressure, if you hear, if you hear guilt or shame, that is not God. If you hear due dates, we got to get this done by this time. That is not God, because God's about divine appointments. And so we were able to say, okay, we learned how to discern his voice. And then last week we talked about how to live on purpose. Okay, now we, now we know how to discern his voice, but I want to live on purpose now for him. Well, in 1 Peter 2.9 it says this, but you are a chosen people, Peter says. Okay, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now, this is my favorite part. God's special possession. God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. The apostle Peter calls the church God's special possession. Have you guys ever owned something that was very special to you? And you treated it because it meant something to you. I have a friend who actually, it was our, 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 our children's teacher at, at kindergarten at the time, and she shared a story a couple times with us, and she talked about how she lived next door to her dad, and her dad ended up passing away. And her dad was a kind of a, her, the house of the dad was, it was a free-for-all for all children to go grab what you want and take it. And she had a mission. She had one mission. I mean, there was the couches, the TV, everything was there, and it was laid at her feet to take home to keep. But she said, nope, I want none of this. I just want that potato peeler. <laughs> she wanted a potato peeler. And, we're, and I was thinking, like, wait, wait, you had this whole house. And it was a big house, by the way. You have this whole house, and all you want is a potato peeler. But that potato peeler meant something to her. 
See, she could have had all that, but she didn't desire any of that. She wanted something that was more of a possession, a prized possession that would remind her of her father. And today she still has it in her drawer safe, and it's not going anywhere. It's a possession that she kept. God says you are a special possession. He could have done anything he wanted to do, but he decided to pursue you. You are his possession. That's why, that gives us purpose. If you're thinking, what am, I, what am I here for? That alone shows that we have purpose in our lives. You know, I, I'm really careful to say this, but it really kind of, um, there is like this knot in me when I hear this a lot. But, you know, we, we talk about Jesus at the cross. And we say, okay, he died for our sins and we weren't even worth it. And he still did it because he loved us that much. I'm thinking if God did it, we had to be worth something to him. You're not worthless, okay? There was something in him that we were called his pride possession, and he was willing to go to earth and tolerate what's going on and take our behalf. We're worth something. You, are, you, are, you have purpose is what I'm trying to say. And so when we look at, last week when we talked about living on purpose, I gave you four steps to reach that purpose in your life because maybe we were questioning, like, how do I get there? How do I develop that? How do I know? How do I reach my purpose? And the four steps were this. Number one, make sure that you have an active relationship with God. Don't just say, I love you, Jesus, and live on and go with your old ways. Have an active relationship with your heavenly Father. Number two, discover the giftings God gave you. Because he's gifted you with something unique. Number three, answer the calling of God because he's calling you guys. It might be where you're at. It might be a different state. It might be a certain school. He's calling. He, answer the calling he asked for you. And then last but not least, make sure you are in tune and plugged in with a godly community. A godly community, someone that can pray with you, that can walk things out with you, someone that you can pray for and be an influence on. And so when we looked at those two messages, when I see those two messages, I see a thread that God was doing something. He was creating his own series, and I didn't even realize he was doing something until the other day. And so now that we've learned to listen to his voice, now that we've grasped the purpose that God gave us, it's time to put it into practice for our lives. And that's what I want to talk to you guys today. That's God's giving you a call to action. Look at your neighbor and say, call to action. We're not done here. We're going to continue to move forward and to grow. Ephesians 3.20 says this. Now to him, Paul says, and him, he's talking about Jesus. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or even think. All right? Or even think according to the power that works in us. That indicates he's doing something in us even beyond our knowledge. Luke 1.37 backs that up. Because in Luke it says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. Christ is able, in other words, Christ is able to do far more than we could ever imagine. For your life, by the way, those times when you're thinking, oh, I don't know if, you know, I can, if, if I'm able to be used, God's going to do far more than what you can possibly imagine. Maybe you are reaching for the stars. God can do far more than what you possibly can imagine. But there are times most of us tend to think too small, to pray too small, to believe too small, and it ultimately leads to living too small. 
And God's saying, no, I don't have that for you. I am a big, big God. And when we follow those patterns of living too small, it leads to an ultimate lie. And this lie is this. Well, God is able to do that for someone else, but not me. (laughs) God is able to do that for them, but I don't think it's for me. And that is a stinking lie from the pits. I mean, this is how passionate I am about it. Because that is not your heavenly father. You see, this kind of thinking, when we, when we fall into that lie, this kind of thinking, it limits what God can do in us and through us. We just read God's work doing a work within us. But when we believe that lie, it limits us to what God's doing in us and through us. And what ultimately happens in this earthly life Okay? I'm not even talking about heaven. I'm talking about this earthly life is we never fulfill or, or, or reach our full potential that God had destined for us. And so I want to show you, you have potential. There is so much that God wants to do in you. That word potential, the definition is what you can do but have not yet accomplished. That's just a n- normal, I Googled it. Google, what does potential mean? And that's what they gave me. Okay, but I want you to hear, the reason why I share that is because I want you to hear this very carefully, because if we don't, we can misinterpret it, and we can think that, well, what I'm not trying to say is it it takes our own effort to reach our potential, because that's not true, that's not kingdom, that's not what I'm talking about, but when you line it up to scripture, the best way to hear the definition of potential is not only to surrender yourself to God, but it's how far you can go, not alone, but with God. That's potential he's talking about. You can't do it alone. You can't. But with him, you can. You know, I talked a little bit about last week. I'm going to take a break on this for a second, okay? I talked a little bit about this last week, okay? But when you allow God to come and be your vision for your life, and you allow him to dream in your heart as you dream for him, did you know he shows you beyond impossible? But if you don't, you only see impossible. God wants you to continue to stay in tune with him. There's so much he has for you in store. Church, God loves you and has great expectations for you. But you have to understand you're being called to action. Everyone say action. Action. I love that. Whoever did that, that was awesome. Was that a sneeze? No? Action. (laughs) That was was awesome, man. Okay, and there are a few things I just want to share with you guys, okay? A few things that can help you to, to start your journey, your walk, and be called to action. Okay, we know how to discern his voice, all right? We understand that. We, we, we want to live on purpose. Now, how do we take what's in us and just and bring it to action? Well, number one, we kind of talked about it, but number one, d- d- develop your potential. Develop your potential, when you, you, when you allow God to use you, what he gave you, you're able to move things forward for your life. When you use what God has given you, you are developing the potential he's created in you. You know, Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified Version, uh, and, I, and I emphasize, check out the Amplified Version because I think it describes it best, okay? And it says, for we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art 
created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them. Now check this out, church, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. There's a readiness with him. We need to have a readiness on our end. We need to be ready to take action in our hearts. God is not expecting you to do it yourself. That is not what God is expecting. But he wants you to allow him to continue to work in you and through you. It's developing your potential. All we need to do is pray that God gives us direction and that God gives us his timing. Because a lot of times we know the direction we need to go, but sometimes we're missing the mark because it's not his timing. It's not his time. God will bless anything that he has if it's his will. But when you bring those two together, understand that God is going to do something beyond your imagination, okay? Developing your potential is the first thing you need to do to get ready for action. Everyone say action again. I missed it, man. Action. There you go. This sounds sounds like a sneeze, so I'm just saying, okay? Number two is this. Understand And I'm going to speak to a lot of you guys right now. Understand, you are unique. That's a good thing, okay? You are unique. If you're struggling with your own self right now, hear these words, and I trust the Holy Spirit, he's going to resonate that in your heart. You are unique. You know, the other day, my my daughter, literally, my daughter and my son, go figure, now that I think about it, they both asked me last week, what does the word unique mean? What does it mean? And, you know, I'm trying to define it to these kids, so I said, different. Oh, we're different? I'm like, oh, no, that was bad. No, no, that's not what I meant. Um, not, uh, and I had no idea what to say. But then I realized unique really is something that, that is detailed, that is designed for just you. And when God knitted you together, he counted every piece of hair on your head. Some of us are like, well, that's not a lot there. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> that was bad. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> but God created you with uniqueness. You know, God is into creativity. Did you know that? I think that's why we have seasons outside. He is, he is so creative, and he uses uniqueness when he puts things together. I mean, think about it. There are no two snowflakes that are alike. There's not. You know, even as a kid, I remember even trying to, 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 to find something. I mean, you get bored sometimes, so you go outside and you do stuff like that, you know. But there's not. We were taught that in school. There's not. There's no two fingerprints that are alike. That is awesome. Think about it. My thumbprint. No one has this exact thumbprint. God knitted me this way. And same thing for you. There are no two people, or there's not, each one of us have, have different DNA. Our whole system And you could be twins, identical, but yet your DNA is not the same. God made you unique. My point is this. This is what I'm trying to say. He created you and only one you. He only created one you. You are valuable to him. And when you have an understanding that I am valuable to my heavenly father, you want to now start taking things to action. 
Do you know that uh, value is determined on how readily or scarce something is? That's how they determine value. For instance, gold and diamonds are valuable because they are rare. They're valuable because they're rare. So that's what determines the value. Now, God created you that way. You are unique and you are irreplaceable. Okay? You are irreplaceable. You are so worth it. Matthew 16, 24 through 26, Jesus said this to his disciples. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Verse 25, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Verse 26, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So many times we look at this scripture and we talk about the surrendering our lives to God. And yet that teaching's in there. But when you look carefully, when you read carefully, and when you allow the Spirit to teach you through his scripture, he's talking about how valuable you are compared to this whole entire world. How valuable you are. You are valuable, Jesus says. Every person has more value than anything in this world. That's what he's teaching his disciples. Do you know, Jesus, what he's doing is kind of the same thing on what we're lining up to do. I mean, we're following his imitation, but Jesus understands that there are only two eternal things in this world, the word of God and people. And all he's doing is bringing them together because everything else is temporal. But people and the word of God are eternal. That's value. And what we are doing is bringing them together. For his kingdom and his glory, you are unique. Everyone say, I'm unique. Number three, don't limit God. Okay? Don't limit God. In Psalms 78, you'll, you'll read through the Old Testament, the Israelites, and how they were saved out of Egypt, and then they were from slavery, but then they're in the wilderness, and they're aiming for promise, and they go through this whole scenario. God shows them miracles. He does. He brings manna from heaven, bread from heaven, so they can be fed for the day. Uh, Moses strikes the rock, and, and water comes out. Their sandals never wear out. There's all these miracles happening. The water was split, and they walked on dry ground. Countless and countless and countless times God is just showing his miracles to his people and to continue to lead them. But then again, they limit themselves with God because of their unbelief. And in Psalm 78, it says, again and again, they, and that's the Israelites, tested God's patience and provoked the Holy One of Israel. Check this out, guys. They did not remember his power. They did not remember his power and how he rescued them from their enemies. See, God's desire for the Israelites in this time was to do so much more. But they did not remember his miracles. And if they didn't remember, they didn't acknowledge their God. And if they don't acknowledge their God, they're limiting their potential on what they have in this earth. That's why they went through struggles. They were limited Church, remember the power of God when you first said yes to him. Remember that. There are going to be times where we feel like, man, why am I going through this? Turn the why into God. What are you teaching me through this? What can I do to continue to grow? Remember God's power. 
God wants you to remember it so you can rally on his power as you continue to walk this life on earth. That's what he wants for you. Number four, and we'll close it with number four, okay? Be encouraged, all right? Be encouraged. If you want to be called to action, if you want to take that step to action, then be encouraged through his word, through your prayer time, through those that are around you. Do you know encouragement always feels good? You know, and again, I shared this before, but it's a great illustration. When we were running that 5K about a month and a half ago, man, my son was on E. I mean, we're at the home stretch, and he's, his tank is empty, and he's like, Dad, I don't know, and he's running crooked, you know, and he's kind of holding himself. It, it was bad, you know, not, not picking on my son, but I'm like, man, come on, dude, you know, and he's, he's like, oh, oh, but the moment he saw Mommy at the finish line, and, and come on, Joshua, you got this. I mean, all right, stood straight just outran me, and he was gone. Encouragement, encouragement brought my son to that position. When you want to be called to action, when you fulfill that call to action, get around people that are doing the same thing, because when you're holding your side, and you're crooked a little bit, and you're like, I don't know, they're saying, come on, come on, you got this, you got it, keep going. You... I don't even know how to put in the words what's in me right now. <laughs> Be encouraged. <laughs> Be encouraged. It's encouraging to simply hear <laughs> that definition we talked about earlier of potential. It's how far you can go, not alone, but with God. You're never alone. You're with God. <laughs> God's not with you. You're with God. <laughs> just, just clarifying that. No matter where you're at, no matter what you do, he's here, he's with you, he's got you. Be encouraged by that, be reminded by that. You know, it takes faith. <laughs> it takes faith to be active in this earthly life. I mean, to do something that maybe you've never done before. I remember leaving the city of Holland for the very first time in my life just to, just to go to Bible school. The fear I faced the trembling I was at. I remember the first night being in Tulsa, Oklahoma, sleeping on a friend's couch that first night. It's dark outside, and the first thought I said to myself was, what county am I in? <laughs> I had no idea. You know, where exactly, geographically, where exactly is the city of Tulsa in Oklahoma? Is Oklahoma the one that has a finger on it? I mean, all these thoughts were flooding in my head but he was with me. And I kept hearing my friend that encouraged me to go, and he was there with me. I kept hearing, hey, hey, you'll be all right. God's got you. Encouragement that I felt from him. It took, a, it took faith for me to say yes to God and leave my comfort of Holland, Michigan to go somewhere where I believe it's just hot, 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 hot <laughs> to do God's work. It was uncomfortable, but man, it was life giving maybe you're facing that right now <laughs> to do something you've never done before things don't line up but in here you just know I'm encouraging you, listen to that listen to what God's saying in you, did you know that faith connects you with God's power when you allow your faith to, 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 to activate your first step 
It connects to God's power. For instance, Peter, he's in the boat. He's with his disciples. Read Matthew, Mark, all right, those accounts. You'll see where Peter, Peter sees the Lord walking on water, doing something impossible. He's in a comfort area. All 12 disciples are there, by the way. Everyone's together, and they're all, they all feel like they're safe here. But Peter <laughs> takes a step of faith when God calls him. <laughs> Call to action now. And he takes that step. And his faith <laughs> in God's power does something impossible. Yeah, the rest he sinks and all that stuff. There's a lesson behind that. But my point is this. When you put faith, when you, when you, when you uh, walk in faith, trusting him, you connect yourself to God's power. And impossible things happen. Romans 1.17, the last scripture. Romans 1.17 says this. For, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. Okay? A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Now listen to this, church. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Let that resonate in you for a second. The righteous will live by faith. Well, I don't know if I can get to righteousness. Guess what, church? Guess what? The moment you say yes to Jesus, you have been made righteous. That word righteous, because I know that sounds like, oh, that's a big, you know, Bible word. That word righteous simply means you are right before God now. You are right before God. That he looks at you, but, but what, about, what about all the stuff I did? Hey, when you come to Christ and you repent and you turn from your ways, guess what? All covered. You are made right before Jesus. In other words, this, this verse that I just read, it's we live faith by faith. One faith to the next faith. That's called to action. That is called to action. Church, let that resonate in you. His voice Okay, on purpose. Now call to action. What does that look like to you in your life today? Let's go ahead and bow our head and pray.